My fourth book, Summer Holidays, was a romantic comedy. Very briefly here, a grandmother came and changed a lot of things in her grandchildren, impacting the boy more than the girl. Today, I'm sitting with digital consultant Nisha Samson, and she is talking about the great-grandmother. That is something so profound and so lucky, I feel, is she to have spent time with her great-grandmother. Now, can you imagine that, friends? I have access till my grandmother. I don't even know the name of my great-grandmother. But then that is the beauty of this episode, which we will approach. Hi, friends. I'm Koral Dasgupta, founder of Tell Me Your Story and author, here with my podcast show, The Great Indian Family, in collaboration with Epilogue Media. You can listen to the podcast on epilogue.media. You can also hear us on Spotify, GeoSavan, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, CastBox, and all other podcast apps. And do I have to tell you again that today the guest of my show is Nisha Samson. Welcome to the show, Nisha. Thank you, Koral. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to be here. Since the time you told me, I had been wondering that what was childhood like for you? How did it look like? So childhood for me, Coral, honestly, was a fairy tale. I think even when we spoke, you know, on the phone, I told yeah. you, I was essentially brought up by my great grandmother. And I consider myself extremely blessed to have had her, you know, bring me up and learn from her and listen to her stories because they were quite literally stories from a different era altogether. Of course, when you're growing up and that's like since I was born to maybe when I was 10, you know, you don't register that, okay, you know, this is something special because obviously I was a child myself and I would listen to the stories with awe because to me, that was a different time altogether. And I would, you know, stories about honesty and stories about goodness and stories about how life was and, mm. you know, how she dealt with the fact that, you know, she was married off when she was barely 13. Mm. And I'm thinking, you know, 13, because that's so young. And because in my head, I was doing the math. And so essentially, childhood for me was in our old bungalow, sitting on our stairs every Saturday afternoon with my great-grandmother telling me stories. And these are stories she made up. They never came from a storybook. That was my grandmother's forte. Coming back from school and being fed my food and we would sit by the window in her room and there'd be crows and then we'd feed the crows as well. So essentially, my childhood is something I go back to from the ages of since I was born to 10 because I went to boarding school when I was 10. And it was quite literally a fairy tale when I think back now. Where was your home? Where was this old bungalow? So this was in Malabar. Okay. And again, the street was shaded with trees, with, with, you know, a pathway. My brother and I would cycle on that pathway. There'd be the guys who would get those horses and then we would ride those horses in the evening. So it, it was essentially a different world. That kind of life doesn't exist anymore, number one, because those homes don't exist anymore. And of course, we've all kind of like, you know, moved on to the whole mm. nuclear setup, which is the big thing right now for most, most people say it's for convenience sake, but honestly, where I come from and the way I look at it is I don't think that'd be a better childhood than being brought up by your great grandmother and or your grandparents, because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone can love you more than them. You know, of course, our parents love us, but our parents are busy making a livelihood or a living, whether they're going to their businesses or whether mm-hmm. they're going to the office. And that's ex- essentially what happens. But with grandparents, they bring in that much of wisdom when it comes to bringing up you know, us Mm. grandchildren, Um, they, 
love takes on a whole different meaning, if I could say that. You know, love, of course, is love. And I do believe that. But the love of a great grandmother and the love of a grandmother is is a love that is extremely rare. Absolutely. And um, something we can't even put into words, honestly, because the kind of patience that comes with love, the kind of experience that comes with a love like that is something that is uh, a rarity. And sadly, it's becoming less and less and less apparent in today's day and age because the way we've moved now and the way we're living our lives now, it's, it's something that, you know, most parents want to, you know, push their parents back into the background. And I do believe that grandchildren get the best kind of wisdom from their grandparents. And in my case, my great-grandmother. Tell me one of the stories that you may have heard from her. So basically with her, it was all about living life as honestly as you possibly can. And again, like I said, our story time consisted of, you know, my lunchtime when she would Mm -hmm. literally feed me and she would tell me about, you know, um, how uh, I, I'm sure this is one of the common stories about the, the snake and the porcupine mm. and the snake uh, essentially, you know, parents uh, assumed and this was about, uh, sorry, not honestly, this was about trust. Okay. And there was a baby in the crib and uh, apparently the porcupine was in the room, but you know, the snakes in the porcupine, the snake was also in the room, but the snake was looking out for that baby and was looking out to protect the baby. But when the parents entered the room, they obviously assumed that the snake was there to harm the baby. But he was actually there to protect the baby and he fought the porcupine and lost his life in that fight, protecting the baby. And the parents Mm -hmm. only, you know, realized much later that this is exactly what happened. And so her takeaway was never assume and make sure that you are honest first to yourself because with with mm-hmm. your sense of honesty, you'd be able to see a lot more and you'd be able to see a lot more things, I guess, you know, from a broader perspective as opposed to because ever so often and even now it's it's. Uh, possibly a knee-jerk reaction when we assume. Mm-hmm. You know, there were lots of stories about honesty and she'd make these up about, you know, the maids in our homes and how people automatically, you know, when there's something missing or whatever, you know, you'd automatically First thing that comes to mind is Exa- that. Without any proof. And she would always say that that's not always the case, that it could possibly be someone you trust mm. and possibly not your maids. There were lots of stories around that as well. But basically her stories were about how we lived or how she lived her life because she was one of the most calm people, one of the most honest people, mainly because she stayed honest to herself, Mm -hmm. one of the most loving people because she only gave. And I guess she wanted to inculcate those values in both my brother and Mm -hmm. me through her stories. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so those are the things that we we would often, I would listen to. And of course, because I was a child, it, you know, kind of like, for me, it was story time. I really didn't didn't focus on the lesson. The lessons were focused on after I kind of went away to boarding school and after I became a teenager. Mm. But at that point, it was literally me eating lunch with my great-grandmother feeding me by the window and listening to these stories because it would just take me away to another world. And that, that's what it was, yes. So, um, you know, great-grandmother belong feels like another generation and you have experienced that yeah. human being. Yeah. You say that she was a very calm person. She was extremely contained in herself, which I completely i am trying to create that picture of the person. <laughs> now, did you ever see her doing something which you felt that you would have thought otherwise or you had a different opinion? Or were you of the age where you didn't have the maturity to judge people? 
No, so I was of the age where, so I have to say, I was also a very, very stubborn child and I like to have my own way. But to me, she was the epitome of being all that was. Because to me, even today, when I talk to my friends, for me, when I think about love, I think about the love that came from her, which was, again, only giving. So in my eyes, she never, whether she dealt with the help at home, whether she dealt with her own children, my um, grand aunts and grand uncles who essentially came with their own sets of values, whether she dealt with us, because like I said, I was a stubborn child. And, you know, after lunch, we'd have a huge bottle of sweets and I would want to have those sweets, but I would want to have 10 sweets. And she would often say, no, you need to have one, ideally, uh, at the most two. And because I love you so much, I could possibly put a third one in. But 10 would obviously, because I'd, I'd get rotten teeth. And again, I was a stubborn child. I would throw my tantrums and cry about because I wanted 10 sweets. But in spite of that, not once did she lose her head. Mm. Not once did she ever find the need because lots of you know people, when it comes to disciplining a child, they do believe that spare the rod and spoil the child. She was the opposite. She would never go the rod way. She, would ne- she wouldn't even yell at, you know my brother and me, mm-hmm. ever. She would try and help us understand that that was really not the right way to do things or to have 10 sweets at a time because obviously it'll screw up your teeth. Mm. But no, so I don't ever remember her being unfair to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when I think back, I only remember her as being kind because I remember when I grew up and when I was an adult and I am trying to incorporate the calmness in my own life mm. and, you know, the kindness when dealing with people because when you deal with kindness and compassion, that's the first step to dealing with any situation, mm. no matter how challenging or tough or whatever it is. I only think of how... I literally ask myself and I would call her Nana. Um, and I know Nana has a different meaning, you know, when it comes to... But she was my great-grandmother and I used to call her Nana. And I would... I ask myself this one question. How would Nana deal with this? And... The only I have a, a sense of calmness that kind of just takes me over. And then I have the clarity to take two steps back in whatever situation that is and say, OK, this is how we go about it. And this is how we we should tackle this. Mm-hmm. So I do not definitely don't remember her being um, unfair, I guess, to anyone. Um, she was more than fair. In fact, she would, you know, ever so often if she felt like she could not uh change a person's opinion or Mm. whatever she just let it go and say okay so be it (laughs) okay before we come back to this once again I wanted to really ask because you are a woman of this generation I have seen you working succeeding coming back home driving back certain um, values I know that feminism Hmm. as it has progressed Hmm. defines women's uh, the social expectations from women and women's conduct yeah. in a particular way, right? And the way our grandparents or the generation before that was is very different. That's right? Really. Just like you said, very sacrificing. Mm. You have seen both the worlds. You have experienced both the worlds. You have seen that kindness, that sacrifice. And today I have also seen you understanding the rights of women from a completely different perspective. How do you bring both of these? I mean, how do these two different aspects make peace within you? So essentially, when it comes to feminism, first of all, I think the generation has, you know, feminism completely misconstrued. Feminism may not essentially amount to us, you know, raising slogans. Mm -hmm. And yes, we need to fight for our rights. But I do believe that sometimes the best and the strongest fight we could ever fight Mm -hmm. is by taking two steps back, by looking at any given situation with kindness and compassion and by 
enforcing because the strength of a woman of every woman whether it was that generation or this one the the form per se has changed over time because now women have more of a voice because of social media because of course we're standing up for ourselves there are more organizations that do help you know our voices get out if need be and totally appreciate all that in complete gratitude for all of it but to an extent when you come to think of it i do believe that my grandmother and my great grandmother were stronger feminists than i will ever be because they lived in a generation where the daughter-in-law of the house was meant to be in the kitchen hmm. uh the daughter-in-law was never meant to have a voice uh when it came to even raising her own children she was limited and you know and even when it came to raising children during that time you know when you had sons and daughters there was a distinction yeah. and the mother would would never be able to dis- distinguish right so my great grandmother would never distinguish between my grandmother and her brothers but my great grandmother's mother-in-law would mm. you know so in her way and the thing is she she would never raise her voice with her mother-in-law she would listen to what the mother-in-law would say and her mother-in-law was was quite quite the tyrant by the way <laughs> um that's how it used to be i mean that not necessarily exactly. maybe because she left to be like that but that was the equation between exactly mother-in-law daughter-in-law those days but my great grandmother would listen would essentially let that be because sometimes you know the best battle you can fight is when you walk away when you leave away leave the battlefield but go ahead and make sure that she treated her children my grandmother and her brothers equally because that to her was feminism mm. to enforce her voice without really enforcing it mm. because at the end of the day when we say things or when we lend our voice to a certain cause or to a certain energy it is to enforce change it is to enforce positive change hopefully and sometimes when the the voice is being stifled it can be stifled fine stifle it but your actions can still prove that in spite of my voice being stifled i will still go ahead and mm. i will make sure that all my kids are treated equally mm. and that's exactly what she did so in in a way to be able to do that and action that in that time mm. without the kind of support women today have and all of us have which we are all very grateful for mm. was you know they were stronger feminists than we will ever be i do yeah. believe because they lived in a, not only lived in a different generation it was a different time it was a more cloistered time for them judged very very easily and judged actually the judgment started in the house as opposed to people outside the people outside just added the bits to it so they had it more difficult than us so in that sense um yes the form of feminism has changed drastically but the strength of a woman's spirit then to the strength of a woman's spirit now has just persevered so i do I completely agree it's essentially the same thing in a different form yeah i mean probably now we are far more louder exactly. but not necessarily that impactful exactly then the disruption happened very silently exactly now exactly. we might be louder but that only you know disturbs your ear it doesn't necessarily change yeah and we're lending our voices to just voices we're not lending our energy towards positive action and that Correct. is real change Correct. you know you don't have to take a slogan and stand somewhere to make a point yes that'll help but that's just one step the the most important step is to enforce what you are fighting for but we kind of get lost in the first layer you say that so beautifully nisha okay nisha you know something i being a 
completely story person ghum phir ke main wahi pe aati hu that what is the story and something that i really want to know is did she ever tell you about her childhood stories or her stories things that happened with her to her through her so essentially she had a very my nana had a very happy childhood um growing up of course the one thing that she could not understand was getting married so young because obviously she herself yeah. was a child but she always spoke about her mother being fair to her and her siblings mm. you know and again those were the days of my, like my great grandmother was born in 1900 mm. so you know and she lived to ni- to 2003 quite literally she she passed away just 5 days of her 103rd birthday my god yeah she was born on the 13th of march passed away on 8th march 2013 okay and she was active she was absolutely active so the thing is this was a woman who would read the newspapers mm. to me every single morning and she was over 100 she would literally so you know darn things make sure that you know she'd have a bath on her own she'd everything she did she did she didn't even use a walking stick the thing that essentially undid her and she passed away so she, uh, when she was 102 she had a fall in the bathroom okay. in 2002 and obviously at that age um we thought it, it and the doctors did not advise operation she injured her hip really badly mm. and then of course she was you know on the bed and she always said I'm going to leave the day I am bedridden or the day I feel like I'm depending on someone for my basic needs in terms of a bath in terms of eating my food in terms of someone changing my clothes for me that's when I'm going to go and so for 6 months she was essentially bedridden and she passed away like I said in 2003 5 days short of her 103rd birthday but uh by that point she was i mean you know we we had people to come and you know help with her clothes and pretty much everything so essentially her spirit decided it was time to move on like mm. i said and that was and that was one thing that she definitely didn't want to do was depend on someone for basic things and mm. it got to that yes so coming back to your question she did talk a lot about her childhood which was very happy In fact because she got married young um obviously my grandmother was born when my great grandmother was also very young so my great grandmother my nana was pregnant with my grandmother and at the same time nana's mom was pregnant with nana's youngest sibling <laughs> <laughs> quite literally that happened and both of them gave birth within a few months of each other so my grandmother and her so called uh, not so called but her uncle were months apart in their birthdays so <laughs> <laughs> i think those days it was quite uh, so it was yeah. you know it was fu- it was just really nice um today she, it sounds funny but then probably it was yeah, nothing unusual it was the most normal thing and i'm like how did that even work because you know when i was 21 i'm like grandless so i was would talk to my grandmother and i would tell my grandmother how did this even work you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but she went to like obviously my my great grandmother went to school like i said cuz her mother was very very forward thinking and made sure that she studied and got an education mm. my great grandfather was a shippy an engineer on the ship so of course he moved places in india so she lived in gujarat she lived in cochin she lived in and eventually settled in bombay but wherever she went she made sure she learned the local language so her gujarati was spot on she learned the local language in kerala she would cook like a pro uh, of course and her marathi was just fluent like she could put anyone to shame oh 
you know and what 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 is i mean where are you guys ideally from are you guys marathi or are you guys so uh we're based in bombay we're from bombay mm-hmm. my family my father's family is jewish okay. and my mom is roman catholic okay you know so uh technically of course my nana was jewish and so yes the language of course was different but oh my god like she she could talk marathi like a pro mm-hmm. she would you know and and she was a teacher so she went went ahead and did her own thing because even though she had the kids at home and when the kids started going to school of course they had help and of course my great grandfather was in the ship she went and she wanted to do something with her life so she said okay i'm going to go and i'm going to teach because teaching is a service and she was only about service and only about giving mm. so that's essentially what she did so when i look back at her life honestly I think of herself is very blessed like the the challenging bit of her life and she was very open about it was of course when she got married and her mother-in-law was being the mother-in-law in the house <laughs> uh but um yeah she's lived you know touchwood a very full life in every single way and kind of tried to pass lessons from that if you will on to my brother and myself mm. yeah Tell me something. Have you retained any of her stuff, like uh, things that she may have used? I mean, I'm sure you have memories as articles or clothes or anything. So, uh, we, utensils. Utensils, yes, because it's a lot of my my great grandmother's stuff. Um, jewelry, yes, because lots of jewelry came from her. There were artifacts. So when we moved from the bungalow into flats, we we took you know certain bits of. you know home if you will in terms of bits of crystal in terms of you know artifacts from the house that she chosen for you know you know mm. and have that there um we still have the old cupboards mm. so i'm still using like a cupboard from what that's over 100 years now My God. um we in terms of her things her clothes we donated all that because mm. you know it was just the wisest thing to do as opposed to it lying but what i do have with me um are her memories and of course her photographs there was an article about her in in a jewish magazine that essentially ran the article when she completed 100 years old because she you know touch what she had all her senses like i said and she was busy cutting her cake mm-hmm. and you know there was a party with just family and what not so in that sense yeah so but would i treasure the most are the memories and what i treasure the most is the fact that i'm sitting across from you talking about her That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, uh, at least in my family, you know, mm. sarees travel as a kind of heritage. Yes, you know. Yes. So, uh, at least back there in Calcutta, there are stuff that my mother-in-law, I mean, my grandmother had inherited. and now then she passed on to her children my mother has got some and when i was married off one of them i got right so things like that do happen and i i mean when i look at those sarees i seriously feel that what was the age when it was crafted right and how did they craft it that it's still so beautiful i can still wear right. it right right i try not to but then i still <laughs> can <laughs> so was there anything which was typically she was fond of The reason why I am asking mm. this is, I know my grandmother mm. had two bangles, mm. thin glass bangles, which mm. she never took out. Right. And there was a neck piece, right, which she never wore. <laughs> But <laughs> I know that those were a part of her heart. Right. She would. I. I often asked her that, "What do you do? You just take out, see, and keep it back. I never see you wear, see you wearing it." 
and she would always tell me that i wouldn't look good i am a particular age hmm. which hmm. now my mother has started saying that mujh pe jajega nahi okay <laughs> whatever that means don't try i'm not trying to even get there right it was there anything that she had which was very close to her so in terms of things uh, her jewelry but she made sure that all her kids her grand grandkids and her mm. great grandkids in 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 form of my brother and me got bits of her jewelry because her point was she loved it but she wanted to make sure that we had it and we would eventually use it so that's what she loved but what she definitely treasured was her books okay. and her reading and um she again read english literature or all kinds all kinds all okay. kinds and she just treasured them because if you ever found her because you know obviously she would you know once you get to a certain age and you know you have the help doing certain things in the house or whatever she'd only be reading so in terms of the things that we inherited from her like i said it was possibly the things that we took away from the you know from the home and then you know kind of redecorated our current flat with but in terms of jewelry of course it's it's jewelry that i still use it's jewelry that i treasure it's jewelry that i don't think i would ever um give away you know mm. if if there comes a point ever that you know i Or you wouldn't stop. probably ever recycle rebuild remake no, never never ever you know because most in, in those days it was more gold and, than diamonds yeah. like right now of course it's diamonds but in those days it was gold so maybe like right now of course there are, there are a particular pair of gold earrings that i treasure completely with my heart and i use them now i use them often and even when people see me wearing them they were like you know is that from a different you know different time i was like that's from this is from a different era altogether um maybe if i don't use them as much in the future i will still keep them because that's still in in a way it's still memory you know mm-hmm. um and i do believe memory is beautiful in a way where you don't have to have to hold on to things because you are connected with the person so beautifully that you you know it there's more than a physical world connection yeah. it's it's a spiritual connection but yeah the things remind you of them and possibly stories that were attached to it So that's what that's what we have and that's what essentially got passed down to us not so much her sarees but the the jewelry and the bits of you know artifacts that she did up the home with Okay So Nisha it has been many years that mm. she hasn't been there and I can yeah. still see how beautifully we're still connected with her and I mean there's no pretension in that Today if you have to tell her I mean you have had a long journey without right. her and uh, I'm sure you have uh, remembered her at different points of your highs and lows right in all these years that she has not been with you right today if there is something that you would like to tell her in person right if i mean just think that if she is in front of you and you have the chance of saying one thing to her what would you tell her about yourself your life right now i would tell her that i am what i am because of you i would obviously tell her that i love you infinitely and i do believe that she knows that and i would also thank her immensely because i do believe that the person i am today the person i am becoming because we are evolving every single day right. is exactly what i learned you know sitting on those stairs in our old house listening to those stories um stories that she told us time that she spent with us because mm. again the most precious thing that we have is time you know and in time itself is while while we say we are, we are, we are infinitely connected because i do believe in 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 a very spiritual connection but physical time is limited and that's one thing none of us have any control over True. so i would like to thank her for that time and for that love that she she 
you know, the time she spent with me, the love she gave me, because that is what really set the foundation for my life. Because your lows can kind of take you off track a little bit. You become a different person. You may react differently. But at the end of the day, you will come out of a low. And when you come out of that low, the things that really help you uh, come out of that low are things like these, lessons like these that really set the foundation for the future. And like I said, I grew up, you know, with with my great grandmother who only taught me to give, who only taught me to love, who only taught me to be thankful and compassionate, but who also taught me that it's okay to stand up for yourself. Mm. And when you're standing up for yourself, ever so often, and I said this before during the podcast itself, that you may not have to scream at all. Sometimes you just say, okay, but your actions make sure that you do the right thing. Hmm. Okay, last question in this section that if there's one quality of hers which you would love the generation next to us to uh, imbibe, what would that be? Strength of spirit. Beautiful. Next section is a section called Truth or Myth sure. where I'll give you some sentences. Okay. And you can tell them that in your life, whether it is a truth or a myth. Okay. And you are absolutely free to interpret it your way. Okay. You don't have to think Perfect. of how I am putting the question. All right? right. So first is Nisha has never hidden facts from her great-grandmother. Myth. Myth. <laughs> <laughs> what did you lie on? <laughs> so I would essentially, so she'd obviously be worried about me when I was growing up, you know, and say like, you know, don't go to the clubs, don't go to the discos. I was like, no, 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 no I, I won't, I won't. I promise you I won't. And obviously I did that because I was a teenager. And she would like, where were you been? Where where were you? Why did you take so long? And I would often say I was studying, or, but I was actually at a, at, at a pub. So yeah. so yeah, that's what I hid from her essentially. Okay, so you just say that uh, you were stubborn about having more sweets and she would stop you from that. So have you ever stolen? I mean, the Uh, statement is that Nisha has never stolen from her grandmother's box of sweets. No, you know why? Because like I said, because I was so stubborn, I would get those 10 sweets. Trust me. (laughs) And the thing is, she would... Poor thing, she wouldn't want me to have the sweets. And by the way, this the, the ten sweet habit ended up in me having really rotten teeth really? when I was growing up. So essentially, she was absolutely right, as usual. But no, I didn't find the need to steal because I would just get those ten sweets. Like I said, I was a very stubborn child, but she had all the patience in the world. So I would cry, I would rant, but I would get those ten sweets and she'd just give them to me. <laughs> okay, third. Nisha was considerably spoiled by her great-grandmother and was... Pampered to the hilt. True. I think I know the answer. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In Nisha's uh, fairy tale childhood, there was no villain. Myth. Uh, because all all of our childhoods come with um, a certain sense of. I suppose, challenging situations. I wouldn't say tough situations, challenging situations. Whether it's at school, um, you know, um, whether it's, you know, with your friends when you're playing, various things. So I don't think so. But my I think my villain really was my so like I said because I had my way in my house because I was so stubborn and I always got my way when you go to school obviously you're not going to get your way because you you follow rules and there are rules that the school sets so in that sense because I didn't get my way outside I was I suppose I, I went into a shell when I was around 
strangers. So I had to get to know people then. Now, of course, I, you know, when I when I think of myself then and I think of myself now, because now I feel like I can, I can chat to a wall <laughs> and it will answer me. But back then, I was really uncomfortable with strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to know a place in order to find my comfort level. But I would essentially always want to run home. Mm-hmm. So I suppose... You could say the villain, I, I wouldn't want to call it the villain, but the, the, the challenging situation was possibly my, my introverted nature because I wouldn't adapt very easily mm-hmm. to any situation that was not familiar. And that's not really the best thing because, again, life is about adapting because nothing is going to be like you want it to be. The idea is that you adjust your stance accordingly and make sure that, you know, hey, it, it may not be what I wanted to be, but who knows it could be better. Yeah, that is something which I hear with a lot of hope because my son is like that. Yes. He is very, very introverted when it comes to facing strangers. Yeah. And at home, he's the tiger. Yeah. So trust me, he's going to, he will definitely come out of it. And like I said, by the time he's like my age, he's going to be able to chat to a wall. And you're going to say, <laughs> buddy, no. <laughs> no. okay the next section is about some really fun questions Mm. which you will have to elaborate okay and uh, though digital you are a digital consultant now and um, too too much of technical uh, uh, going too much technical about that might be a little difficult for the audience but I'll take to social media in order to make it fun as well as kind of connect so the first question is what would really scare your great-grandmother from your FB posts today? I don't think any of my FB, FB posts today, but back in 2011 or 2012, uh, 2012 actually, that was when I lost my father very okay. suddenly. And of course, it was it was a great time of grieving and etc, mm-hmm. etc. Et so, and I also used to, I, I don't write poetry anymore, but I used to write poetry because it was it was an outlet for me. And the poetry that I was writing then was pretty uh, dark, if you will, because mm-hmm. obviously it's it, it was just grief. So mm-hmm. if she were to see that poetry or if she were to see me um, in that phase, I think poetry from 2012 would definitely scare her because it was very dark. If she was on Instagram, what would she post about? You know, honestly, if she was on Instagram, she would definitely post a lot of inspirational quotes. Um, <laughs> she would definitely post a lot about nature because she mm-hmm. loved nature. Okay. Uh, she, you had plants at home? Garden? Yes, we had a beautiful garden and the garden was her solace and was my solace mm. too. Uh, we had a huge mango tree in the backyard and it was, like I said, it was it was just another time. Mm. And she would post a lot about her great grandkids and her grandkids for sure. Okay. Okay. Which profession would she connect with the most on LinkedIn? <laughs> teaching. Because she was a teacher, okay. she would definitely connect. With she was a teacher uh, at home or she actually went no, out? No, she and... went out and... Oh, really? Yeah, she taught in school. Okay, she which... She taught uh, in school. Okay, she uh, she was uh, employed. She, she was, was not employed. a homemaker. No. No. Really? That yeah. was, I mean, that was a different era. Yeah, Very few all women together. actually went exactly. out to work. Exactly. That's what I said. So she would say yes. She would say yes to her mother-in-law. She would say yes, but she'd definitely go out and do her thing. Awesome. I think that has a lot to do with the men of the family also, no? Yes. So the thing is, my great-grandfather, like I said, was away for most of the bit, uh, most most of the time because he was on the ship. Um, but I think her father-in-law was supportive mm. and, you know, essentially. So there has to be 
some kind of a support, support system, system in the somewhere. background yeah. that would then allow you to that do would it. Give, provide yeah. strength to the one who is being suppressed or being right. Kind of and, and she, of course, went ahead and did it because, like I said, she loved teaching. She loved being around children. She loved mm. all those things. So, yeah, she would definitely connect with teaching or any career that had to do with service. Mm. Okay, the next question is a little odd, but do take it in the right spirit. <laughs> the kind of posts on Twitter that she would love to troll. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't see her as much of a troller because she was. I know. Um, one of you have most, explained her in a completely different way. Yeah, one of the most not non-reactive would be a wrong word, but um, yeah, she ignore would, if she is not happy with something. Yeah, or she would answer or address the mm. argument and or situation but she'd do it with a very calm mind like she would make a point of view mm. she would definitely put it out there but it would never be in 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 the form of like I've never touched wood I've never heard her ra- raise her voice ever mm. whoever at whoever not just us at the help or whatever it is so I don't see her trolling anyone honestly if she was on Twitter but yes if she felt she very, would unfollow probably <laughs> unfollow and if she felt very strongly about um, whatever was being said and there's a lot of nonsense on Twitter right now she'd definitely make a very strong point but she'd be fair but she, she'd be calm about it like for her it was more about and she always told me and again this is something I'm implementing quite successfully if I say so myself always act do not react mm. because when you react your reaction is the first reaction to any situation take take a minute take an hour take a freaking week but think about it think about it with a calm mind and then think about your action don't mm. react because reaction is always something that just you know stems from the top of your head mm. and those responses those messages those arguments are something that we always regret mm. true that yeah so i don't think she troll anyone honestly no <laughs> super Okay, we usually end our shows with a role play. Okay. If you have to explain your job description to your grandmother, I know that you have to start very much far away. Right. But if you have to make sense to her in in very few words, like kind of relate to her in her world, her context, okay. and then tell her what is your job description, what would you tell her? Kya kar rahi aaj? I would tell her, Nana. The internet is a beautiful place and your great-granddaughter is taking the stories that you told her and putting them out on the internet. So lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nisha. I mean, you know, this is one of the most emotional, uh, you know, um, episodes that I have ever had. And a lot of times I really got goosebumps because things that you were telling me, I have covered grandparents right. i have covered parents i right. have covered different kinds of relationships right. but i was still getting goosebumps because <laughs> that is something i haven't had in my life and you have it you know <laughs> you are such a yeah. lucky person i am i am i consider myself immensely blessed thanks thank you so much for having me coral it's been an absolute pleasure totally i mean i mind too i mean it's, i it's been an absolute really pleasure to to share this and yeah i wouldn't have it any other way <laughs> So thanks audience for being a part of the fun. Hope you enjoyed our show The Great Indian Family. Don't forget to share your feedback. Write to bonjour b o n j o u r at epilogue.media. We will address your queries. Do send us your feedback on Twitter using the hashtag The Great Indian Family. Leave us a review rating on Apple Podcast and make sure to subscribe to the show. 
we will come back again next sunday till then let's rock